0: You're listening to the Changing Normal Podcast, where we strive to outdo the old normal and reject the new normal. And now your hosts, Owen, Dan, and Ben.
1: Welcome to episode 40 of the Changing Normal Podcast. 40 episodes, guys. 40. This is episode 40.
0: <laughs> mm. So it's middle-aged?
1: It's middle-aged.
0: No, <laughs> so don't count as years, do they?
1: It's, a, it's about to have a midlife crisis. It's going to go buy uh, convertible a convertible. And, convertible. Convertible. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yes, if only this pod, podcast had bought us all convertibles by episode 40, that would be a very successful podcast. <laughs> but maybe we can go buy convertibles with our newfound Bitcoin wealth. <laughs>
0: yeah, it might be another ten off. years for me. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been quite a bit of uh, price action uh, this week. Mm. I guess. I mean, over in, the last couple of weeks, Monaro, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Last month has yeah. been atrocious for Monero. Yes, yeah, we were talking about that earlier. I don't follow it too much, the altcoins anymore. But I do have a little bit of a Monero, so I just noticed was in that wallet the other day, or, t- or earlier today. Noticed it took its deep nosedive.
2: Yeah, so, it's it's funny you you message the group and what's going on with that, and I'm thinking,
1: ah, hmm,
2: I have no clue. <laughs> I'll go to Nostra and see what the people on there are saying. Yeah. So I used a whole bunch of hashtags that were totally not pertinent to the question that I asked, right. which just meant that they got a few more views and someone was like, oh yeah, doesn't that have something to do with like Binance delisting them? And I thought, oh, right. Yeah. You did read that article. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> You're right. Hmm. Yeah. So Binance delisted them. Um, so that I is a can't remember deal. the article
0: especially if you're a Monero fan, because I believe Binance is still the number one exchange in the world as far as volume.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise Uh, me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. They're the biggest
0: outside of the U.S., for sure, if I remember right, unless things have changed. So, pretty significant then to have that Mm -hmm. delisted. So, they're obviously trying to, I don't know, maintain a good relationship with regulators that have come after privacy coins. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say if that's all that important in the long run. I know there's been a lot of criticisms of Monero anyway, that there's not Mm -hmm. a significant enough volume on it to maintain privacy and and so on, but.
1: And they don't actually have a a, uh, hard cap, either on the number of tokens. Mm. And so that's always going to be a certain limiting factor on on its valuation. Though certainly it could go a lot higher with more, you know, volume. Um, but the thing is, it doesn't really provide anything in the way of, like it provides security, but it doesn't provide, uh, well, an- anonymity, but it doesn't provide anything beyond that and if people are just trying to transfer around value, most people don't care about anonymity at this point.
0: Right. Mm. So it's got a, a small market and a lot of issues trying to keep up yeah. as things advance. So, yeah. hmm. So let's get back to the Bitcoin news then.
2: That's right. <laughs> well eventually the mm. bitcoin will eat that too so
0: mm. yep
2: to one degree or another
0: as far as the price action it, man, every time I see it take that cliff upwards I'm like man why didn't I have more of that stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at a certain <laughs> point I think me. I just have to brush that off though <laughs> stop playing those mental games
2: and i saw me well, whereas uh it was like you know what i thought it would feel or what people thought it would feel like when the price of bitcoin exploded and it's just someone walking around you know with like a top hat and, a, and a bow tie <laughs> and, a like, mm-hmm. and then it's like what it really feels like and it's that the the frog that's just crying his eyes out and it's like oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well there certainly <laughs> is a dichotomy yeah. as as bitcoin well, almost Bitcoin only people really. When <clears throat> when you you see that price action up, you either is that torn or is that like, oh yeah, I'm excited about it finally going up because it's been such such a feels like such a long time since the price has been been higher. And then but at the same time it's sort of bittersweet knowing probably never buying it at this price again, ever.
0: Yeah, it's hard to say though. If this is kind of anticipation of the having coming up, then we might see it plateau here again. So I don't know if we're back into a full bull market yet.
1: Uh, did you read what I posted to the group earlier?
0: Um, I saw the message. I didn't. Uh, I don't think I finished reading it. Why don't you give me the the TLDR? <laughs>
2: Yeah, this is, my, this problem, is you know, my problem with long messages is that, you know, usually it's like I'll, I'll read the, the text message, a single message, an email or whatever. I'll read it through the notifications on my phone like that. Uh, OK, I got to read that later
1: and then I forget to read it later.
0: <laughs>
1: OK, that's good to know. I need. So basically only send Ben messages in blocks of like four words. <laughs> so I'll just write four words of my message, send it. Write another four words. Of my oh, message. Send was my, it. Was myself <laughs> <and> I myself tonight. Apparently. <laughs> so this was a post by, on on uh, Twitter by uh, someone named Stack Hodler. Yeah. yeah, and he was basically just talking about the current price action and making the statement that nobody's bullish enough. And I don't think of who else I've heard say that. Well, there's a, there's a bunch of people that sort of say we're not, nobody's bullish enough because nobody really sees the big picture, but, and they include themselves in that. Right. But he's making basically making the point that what we're seeing is breaking all the models because all the models have been, didn't account for institutional money. So the fact that we have the ETFs with millions of dollars every day flooding in, I think the last four days have been the last, the four highest inflows to the ETF. Um, that's That was unaccounted for in previous history and in all the models. And so it's just blowing the doors off of, the price because there is so much demand.
2: right?
1: And then he goes on to make, you know, sort of some other points um, about what's affecting the price or is going to, Mm. for example, registered investment advisors have a 90 day waiting period before they can allocate new investment products, customer funds to, new investment products. So since the ETFs come out, they've basically had to sit on their hands and watch the price go up because they're not allowed to allocate customer funds. They basically have to make sure this is actually legitimate and it's, the bugs Mm -hmm. are worked out and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Internal policies mostly. So they still have two more months before they can do that. Hmm. And It is an
0: interesting point
1: because mm-hmm. that's
0: a regulatory requirement. But then, what about the the discussions about? Oh, are we marketing this? Are we advising people to allocate a share in? And how long do those discussions stretch out in the policy shaping in mm-hmm. the advisor world?
1: The trade. Right. Well, mm-hmm. we saw we saw BlackRock doing educational seminars for their brokers <laughs> to educate them about Bitcoin because nobody knew what it was or anything about mm-hmm. it. And so they were, they were educating the financial market about Bitcoin
2: mm-hmm.
1: on their part to help sell the, their ETF, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, there's a process. So the point being, we have lots of people who want to buy who can't yet. So even what we're seeing now, that's the people who have the internal policies that allow them to go immediately. Mm. we haven't even touched yeah, the stuff point. that's being that, restricted by their internal yeah. policies before they come by. So mm-hmm. this buying the ETF isn't going to be, it's not a, Oh, it's going to be a big rush at the beginning and then done. Mm-hmm. I think that's what everyone thought it was going to be. That's what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. When in fact, this is going to be a slow build over time because of just the slow turning legacy mm-hmm. financial system.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. That the initial buy into the new spot ETFs had to be people who were both interested and had like the flexibility or or control over mm-hmm. retirement accounts. And it's like that that overlap means it's actually probably a very limited uh, amount of liquidity compared to what could happen if you actually have regular financial advisors, you know, telling mm-hmm. people put a certain percentage into this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One percent or whatever. I mean, the,
0: the, and the pension funds are also a huge yeah. thing.
1: That's right. Yeah. A lot of those haven't come in yet.
0: I mm. you know here in <clears throat> Canada, the Ontario teachers pension fund gets talked about a fair bit simply because of how huge the, the influence they have, the, the buying power. Mm
1: hmm. And that would be nothing compared to the States. Mm. Some of the big, big pension funds down there. Um, so that's anyway, that, that's, that was one thing that he kind of pointed out. And that of course is going to sort of coincide with the having when they're going to be able to start buying that's, you know, roughly. Um, and then he kind of talked about micro strategy and how mm-hmm. they' their way up uh, and I heard someone else actually theorize that some of these people like at Vanguard and who are who are told you're not allowed we're not going to provide the ETF to our customers mm-hmm. some of those people those, those brokers and those advisors might have said or or uh, people that you know had their investments at Vanguard for example. And I said, oh, well, I can't get the ETF. I don't really want to leave Vanguard and go through that hassle. And they'll look around and they'll say, well, MicroStrategy, like I can buy MSTR and get exposure yeah. that way because their mm-hmm. price, their, their stock price is so it correlates quite a bit with Bitcoin. And so they're that's almost a workaround to say, oh, and this is all approved and I'm allowed to do this and, you know, whatever. And they'll actually use, utilize that sort of as like a, a stand in for the ETF until they can actually get, <laughs> get the ETF at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that, that wasn't in this post. That was a, an, an aside. Um, goes on to talk about sailor, uh, I actually listened to Sailor explain this on a in an interview. He's selling a bunch of his shares. They're they're coming up in April, and so he had to do something with them prior to their expiring. Some sort of uh, shares don't expire. I, I forget what he. It uh, must be it. the
0: stock options.
1: Stock options. That's what it yeah. was. And so he's selling them, and he's saying he. I think he said he's going to buy once he sells them sometime mid February. He's buying five Bitcoin a day until hmm. that money's all used up. So that was basically from that from now to the having or something like that. Um, this guy also speculates that MicroStrategy could end up on the S and P five hundred, so that's going to really pump mm-hmm. their that's a pretty evaluation.
0: That's not like an easy thing to get into, though. So.
1: No, it's really hard. Yeah.
0: That would be interesting. Um,
1: And of course, the billions that go to MicroStrategy from people investing in them, they buy Bitcoin with, (laughs) so that Mm -hmm. cuts down on the supply. Yeah. Um, Well, didn't they just buy like one hundred ninety thousand? I'm pretty sure I just I saw. I think that's what they're up to.
2: Is that what they're up to?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hmm. ETFs have, have passed them. Yeah. Holy smokes. Already. Already. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so lot, stuff I don't know. could go
0: crazy if we were all hodlers because there'd be nobody selling. But on the sell side, it'll be interesting to see what the price point is before we have a lot of people simply taking profits. Yep. Yeah. And dumping their piles. You know, I've seen some articles that talked about charting it out and saying you can only have so much unrealized gains before you have a lot of people interested in the selling side of it.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. Makes sense. But I'm pretty sure over 75% of the circulating Bitcoin hasn't moved in the last six months. We are talking about that on On uh keep today, Mm. like 78 79% or Mm
0: -hmm. something like that. Okay, so that is where the post you talked about, it was mentioning the perception. So that is a big factor. Then are people simply wanting to take a profit, or does perception shift from this is something I just bought to flip and become a, a Bitcoin millionaire versus uh this is something I'm not going to sell? So if there's a perception shift around that, that would be very interesting. But I don't well, see that happening with the ETF side.
1: No. And I think I, I I get what you're saying, that some people will do that and some people will sell. Mm. But when those people sell, there's enough. The, the price is going to be so high because of the scarcity that I don't think it's going to have a, there's going to be, there's going to be that many more people who still want to buy that I think even that supply will get gobbled up quite quickly. Mm. And yeah. Yeah. At what point does this start?
0: Bitcoin becoming a mainstream
1: asset. Right. At what point do you get? Because
0: two years ago we thought, I mean, I did anyway that we were further away from it. Mm-hmm. Then the on the edge You're of it.
1: <laughs> well, slowly then quickly, right? As the saying goes. Right. It seems like things happen very slowly and very slowly and incrementally. And then when that shift happens, things happen very quickly. I mean, we know that Saudi Arabia is interested. They just passed a law back last month making Bitcoin legal for Muslims. So all the oil barons are mm. poised to make their move into um into Bitcoin. So I mean that's pretty pretty massive. Isn't that an oxymoron though using
2: uh the word quick to describe the legacy banking system? Mm-hmm. Or contradictory conscious
1: yeah <laughs> well yes you're 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 right in a sense but it they can move fast when they realize that how how time is of the essence when when the price is going up every single day and they all they see is I'm missing out and it becomes fomo at that point right right
0: yeah.
1: and and those people are just as capable of FOMO as you and I. Yeah, I was just about to make that comment.
0: It seems
2: weird to think about that, but
1: yeah. And um, then, <laughs> unfortunately, he ends this post with speculation. Uh, it's kind of a fun, fun speculation.
0: Uh, Bitcoiners don't do speculation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I'll just read. I'll just read it to you. What he wrote. Jeff Bezos just unloaded $4 billion in Amazon stock a few months after he was seen partying with Michael Saylor in St. Tropez. Did a sailor orange pill another whale? Oh, my goodness. Oh. Uh, anyway, he just said that. He, he kind of laughed. He said, one thing for sure, we're on a knife's edge. You know, he said... Really, we're only a few headlines away from some pretty drastic, drastic changes. So, anyway, mm. <clears throat> not that it's all about the price because we don't believe that, but the price is a pretty good indication of what's going on. And we know that it's been undervalued for through the entire bull market, Bitcoin has been mm. undervalued. And uh yeah it's a good indicator of uh, of, pers-
2: of the public's perception of it. Dan, mm-hmm. Dan said perception uh, he's talked about the perception here a little bit ago, but from what I, from what I've seen and what I've heard and and uh, the people I've talked to, you know it's just it's just a very good indicator of the perception.
0: Mm. I'm amazed Amazon stock is selling that well. If you could unload that much and it's still up significantly. Sixteen percent in the last month. <laughs> wow. Hmm. Well, I mean that's another uh another another thing where the future is, is very bright. Seems like competition is nowhere to be found <laughs> for the services they offer, so
2: Hmm. I wonder how many people uh, Jack Dorsey weren't pilled with his uh, Satoshi shirt at the Super Bowl. <laughs> there was a there was a chart that showed just how much uh, a Google search engine had the term Satoshi searched right around the Super Bowl. It's like it was probably a a four times spike, like the size of the spike mm-hmm. of Satoshi when it was searched right around the Super Bowl, and Jack Dorsey was wearing the shirt. It's probably about four times higher than any of the other little spikes in the graph that showed when Satoshi was searched. That'd be interesting.
1: Just another, another step in the slowly, but quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been wanting to get a couple of Bitcoin shirts, but I keep forgetting just to wear around.
0: My ears perked up until you said shirts.
1: Yeah, you know, I'd like to get another couple of Bitcoin too, but.
0: <laughs> it's like, holy cow.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I get paid on you know Friday, I think I'll go buy a couple more Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Mister Taylor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, five every week, five every week. I think from now to the habit <laughs> that sounds about right. Yep, man, <laughs> a lot. But it is funny, like the people. It's like so many things, I guess. You try to tell people or warn people or talk to people about, I, mean, I talk to some people pretty regularly about it. And some of them even own Bitcoin, but they don't get it. They're not Bitcoiners. They just, they just have some Bitcoin because it's a speculative, you know, mm-hmm. investment for them. And they're just like, he's like, oh, you, you know, he's, well, what do you, what do you think it's going to get to? Cause he knows I'm really into it. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that it could be, you know, 100,000 or 150,000, you know, next summer, mm-hmm. you know, at the height of this bull run. Oh, he said, if it goes to 100,000. He said, I'm selling, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, but mm-hmm. what about when it goes to a million? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly you you have to have but, that long term view
0: but that's why i think we will see a lot of of selling cuz 100,000 mm-hmm. is that's a that's a big psychological mark it is for people especially since there's a decent amount of people who would have bought in below 50,000 so when you see you know it move from a five figure price to six figure and it's like that's a lot of zeros. All of a sudden, it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll take the profits. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: So, it, man, it'll be tough to move past that hundred thousand mark. I think.
1: And I would like. I could totally see doing that if you had a bunch of it. Hmm. Like, if if I had ten Bitcoin, I would say, I have I have nine that are you know, going in my hard wallet and I have one that I was going to be my speculative Bitcoin and I'm going Mm. to buy and sell at the top Mm -hmm. and bottom roughly of the bull Mm -hmm. markets and the bear markets. So when it goes down and does its pullback and we're headed into a bear market where we get close to where I think the bottom is, I'll buy a Bitcoin. And when I hit the, you know, top of the four years when I hit the top of the of the next bull, bull mm. run, I'll sell that Bitcoin, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I'm not selling all my Bitcoin in doing mm-hmm. so. Right. And I don't have, you know, 0.01 of a Bitcoin that I'm doing that with, you know, where I'm just making a few hundred dollars or even a thousand dollars on it. You know. mhm so, like that, that's a different thing to me. If you're going to, if you're going to say I'm, I'm going to do this and this is my gambling money or the thing that I, you know, make some cash off of, mm-hmm. but this but I know that even if I miss time it and I miss and I sell it and it never goes back down, I still have nine and I'm not greedy. Nine is lots for me, <laughs> you know, I don't have yeah. nine. I'm just using that as an example.
0: I think that shows just how different the mission can be on an individual level. It's mm-hmm. like because for us, Bitcoin hitting a hundred thousand is interesting. We'll talk about it, but it's it's not the mission of Bitcoin to hit a hundred thousand. Right. But for some people, that is the mission <laughs> that they signed up to for right. Bitcoin to hit a hundred thousand.
1: <laughs> right. So th- and they're still very fiat minded. One hundred. Yeah, What's yeah, that? that's right.
2: <laughs> you guys know There's what still- we're going to talk about. <laughs>
1: And, and those people are still very fiat-minded. I mean, I have to work in fiat every day, but that's not what I'm thinking about whenever I think about Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I think about... I know I don't know about you guys, but the switch that I noticed... Because I, I can remember reading early on, people are like, the hardcore guys were like, you got to think in Satoshi's. You got to... you know, Everything's got to be in Satoshi's and you got to think that way. And and i realized that i'm probably never going to look at you know my grocery bill and see the dollars and read that in satoshis i'm probably never going to be able to do that in my head i'm too old to make that change but but my mindset had has already shifted or had already shifted because now and for the last couple of years anytime i went to make a purchase I went, the, the comparison was, I can buy this thing that I need or want, or I can buy Bitcoin mm. with that money. Is this thing that I need slash want more valuable and going to give me more value in some way than the Bitcoin I could have bought with that money? And so for some things, it's been like, yeah, I'm not going to buy that. I'm gonna stand by Bitcoin right. with that money. And for other things, you go, Well, no, I, I I have to buy wood to heat my house so I don't freeze to death. You know, so yeah. there are things that we still still are going to spend money on that we there are needs, your mortgage, your power bill, you know, your some recreational time, whatever. But um there that is always the question in your mind. And to me, that's the true sign of. Someone who's thinking in Bitcoin terms, even if they're not, you know, just reading the price of something in satoshis, but they're they everything they do is being compared. All those financial decisions are being com- compared with Bitcoin, not with any other financial medium or measurement. Hmm. It really I don't makes know if that, me want to dig in. Sense
2: start thinking about how to heat a
1: house with miners. Oh, I've considered that already. Yeah.
0: Yep. Hmm. That's an interesting gamble as well, isn't it? It's whether or not you can uh, keep it um, profitable or not. Do- That's because the none challenge. Of the actual Bitcoin miners do it by buying electricity at consumer prices that's right that's right as far as house to house consumer prices
1: so if if you bought like the latest and great and the thing is the latest and greatest miners take Mm -hmm. less less they produce less heat well less wasted heat like that Mm -hmm. technology also is constantly being improved upon so that they because that's one of the big expenses of bitcoin mining is what do you do with the heat produced you got to get rid of that mm. somehow. Mm. Um, it,
0: that is the benefit in a home that requires the heating, whereas it's a cost to a facility that's lining yeah. these things up in racks. You can yeah. have that as part of your profit, I guess. Yeah, part of your contribution. You know, the positive side.
1: Yeah, but I I did some numbers with like uh, S nines, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. old S nine miners, and I'm like they're completely not profitable in that the Bitcoin you get does not cover the cost to run the machine. Mm-hmm. But if you right. don't care, because you also don't have the heating cost, if you heat with electricity, then it's not yeah. a lost, it's not a lost expense because you are probably spending that much money anyway to heat your home. Now, I don't heat with electricity, hmm. so for me, it just, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But if you heat with electricity, then yeah, absolutely, it then does start to make sense you go, well, I'm going to lose I won't spend I won't sell the bitcoin, which means I will have to pay the full electricity bill on that, but am I might going to offset that with the electricity I'm not spending on my heaters <laughs> because this is my yeah. heater, right? Mm-hmm. And if those numbers right. match up, even if it's a little bit more expensive you go Oh yeah, that's worth it because now I have a bunch of non KYC Bitcoin. Yeah, you
2: took you took my next question out. Does the non KYC Bitcoin then offset? Is the value of that offsetting that whatever the the difference may be in those two numbers that you're paying for electricity to heat probably does electricity from
1: the- Pro- probably does for some people because that's fairly really important for some people. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess it'll be interesting if you know these computing units being replaced means that things like the S9 will just become super cheap at some point oh but they're already super viable. cheap what's the current price like I haven't.
1: oh you, you can get an S9 for a couple hundred bucks okay there's a couple i
0: going
2: to have to message Guy about that and see mm. what
1: he got me to just messes the group I guess I'm pretty sure last time I looked at that, that you could get them for, and they ranged obviously in price somewhat, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I was finding them relatively cheap um, sub 500 for sure.
0: Yeah. I listened to a podcast where the, the guest being interviewed, I think he was part of working on developing plug and play Bitcoin type heaters. But the thing that would really interest me is one that goes into a water heater. That thing straight mm, yep. up burns electricity already. So <laughs> yep. if you can get a little bitcoin out of that, that'd be sweet.
1: You'd have to have some sort of I mean, you you wouldn't get enough yeah, heat to bring your top temperature up enough yeah. for a water heater. It'd
0: almost be a preheater attachment, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Where you have the heat sink running from your computing chips into a, mm-hmm. a water. Can you- Flow of could you do, could you do
1: a like a liquid cool? Do yeah,
0: like I guess that's cool, basically what
1: it would be, wouldn't it? Free. Yeah, basically that's what it would be. And the cool thing about that is, if you you could easily have a uh, sensor set up so that if you had a uh if if your preheat section got too hot, although I guess it could probably wouldn't ever get too hot, but if it did, you could it would just take the miner offline. Right, like mm-hmm. that's the beauty of
0: mm-hmm.
1: of bitcoin miners is their self they're they're easy to take on and offline unlike other um, right that's why they stabilize grids mm-hmm. because they can go on and offline so easily yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah i don't heat my hot water with electricity either so that doesn't help me either. But. <laughs> well, I do in the summer. Well, I, I guess you
0: must in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cold
2: showers for everyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So there is some other interesting news. If, if you guys yeah. saw the headline, Coinbase, they reported a quarterly profit for the first time in two years. Hmm. That was a Q4 of last year. they the reporting for that wow. is in
1: two years. So I wonder what that's based on. Mm-hmm. So when they report uh, uh, an earning,
0: well, they're corporate. That's like their assets and everything. They have to report yes. publicly for every quarter. But it was a pretty good profit, two hundred seventy-three million. So they've had a ride yeah. out. Uh, but that profit is based on their
1: asset value?
0: Uh, That's just corporate profits. Okay. I don't know if, don't know if their valuation plays into that unless they're okay. selling stock. Right. Like an additional round.
1: Yeah. Cool.
0: Hmm. I don't think I ever thought yeah, The ETFs anything. will uh, be a boon to them because I think they're handling... Some of the ETF, uh, yes. uh What would you call it?
1: All of it, I think. <laughs> yeah, they're the they're yeah. the custodian, basically. Oh
2: man, yeah.
1: single point of failure. Yep, but oh, they're yeah, not too after big to sure fail. Not a single point at any. <laughs> but they're now too big to fail, <laughs> yeah. right? So, yeah, well, oh, yeah, true. Right, but uh, oh, yeah. too
0: big to fail is from the fiat
1: world. Yeah, well, Bitcoin knows student, no such thing. <laughs> but, but but that's what <laughs> right. they are, have become. No, that's my that's exactly my point. Is now they're too big to fail because BlackRock, Fidelity, all these people are not going to let them go down mm. because they hold all the Bitcoin, and government is not going to. They have they they're powerful enough. They can pull the strings to make sure that that mm. company never fails because it's too mm. critical. So
0: that's a slightly different kind of too big to fail. Because the, yeah, the fiat too big to fail is oh they can definitely fail big time but they get a bailout.
1: That's yeah, exactly that I, what you, I'm saying. The,
0: the thing you're saying is there's
1: probably no, that that's exactly I can't imagine what I'm, a I'm saying. They're too yeah hmm. they're too big to fail because they hold too much of importance with that Bitcoin and the ETFs and all of that. So, so that if like, if they ever get in a bad state financially they will get bailed out they will. Something will be worked out because they can't – they, quote, unquote, can't fail at this point. Perfect conspiracy I mean, theory school. <laughs> Blackrock,
2: Vanguard, the whole nine yards. I was, what was I listening to? Oh, I was listening to uh, – I was listening to Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton today. And he mentioned um, – oh, what's the family that's in the States that's a huge conspiracy in that? um Rockefeller's mentioned the rock yes i felt like one of the the top rock like the original rock i went wait am i hearing that right anyway yeah that'd be see, i was thinking too big to fail in like but what if something happens with the bitcoin because mm-hmm. there's no bailout with bitcoin
1: no that's right that's right that's that's where that's
2: so i was, try, I was trying to reconcile that in my my brain and it just wasn't working or like how, like, like you guys said, you know, too big to fail. There's going to be numerous irons in the fire that will keep stirring it and makes sure it stays stoked with mm-hmm. Coinbase because they're handling everything. But if they're handling everything and you know, some code is <laughs> code is written where, yeah, what, <laughs> but anyway yeah some yeah. codes written where like the yeah. bitcoin like i don't know mount, like mountain gox
0: for, if you lose a million bitcoin though uh, you can't put like, enough money to replace it simply because you're doing what uh true. some of these exchanges uh and different uh things that have failed over the past couple of years did where you if you start selling basically the price is going to just mm-hmm. move so quickly you're you're chasing a moving target if you have to do something like that because mm-hmm. you can't arbitrarily say, oh, oh we'll just uh'll we'll hand out another million Bitcoin to replace those uh those ones where that you lost the keys to,
1: yeah, exactly
2: <laughs> No, no, it's just sharded and then encrypted in our cloud servers. That's where it is,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, who knows, eh? Like what? What they would try to do behind the scenes to, Mm. yeah. But anyway,
0: and asset security must be an interesting role. Hmm. At some point, they'll need more security than it takes to fire a nuke. (laughs) 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 Be like the movies where you get the two keys. Ready? You might need more than two.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I would hope so. Multi sigs don't work that way. Hmm.
0: So, what else is big? Looking forward to spring?
2: Not really.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't really thought too much about it.
0: Yeah, that's still a ways away, right? For us, anyway. (laughs) Yeah. some people have spring uh, coming right up on them.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, family was out in the greenhouse today, some. Enjoying the warmth out there because it was pretty warm. And, uh, yeah, I've been kind of getting the itch for doing bee stuff again. (laughs) I went out last week. Last week. Forget which day. But there was one day when it was like seven or eight degrees. Yeah. and and uh they, buzzing out. Around? they weren't i didn't see them out but i could see where you know they've been cleaning out their dead and all that sort of stuff so i know they're getting uh, around okay. but they weren't actually out at that moment um but i went and i put open the top up mm-hmm. and you don't instantly lose all your heat with the horizontal hives because they have touching top bars so they still are sealed off with their propolis seal and then they have a wool wool uh pillow on top and I just reached in kind of under like pulled the pillow back a little bit and reached in underneath and I could on so I got two hives and one of them it was like like really warm like, could. like noticeably warm on there and the other one it was not warm at all uh, but I put my ear down you can on both hives hear them buzzing so they're alive I just think the the other hive was a, probably a smaller colony going into winter and they're probably just not generating as much heat. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping it means, it doesn't mean that the ones that are warm are eating all their food reserves up and are way higher in the on the frame. You know, mm-hmm. or something like that, where they're closer to the top, that's why I can yeah. feel the warmth. So, but I'm not going to open them up and break their propolis seal to to find that out. It's way too early to, to do that. Mm-hmm. So. Right, right, right close it back up yeah you don't want
0: to really p- start poking them around until it's time to maybe feed them a little supplement or yeah, something. yeah
1: probably won't feed unless it's like absolute emergency after i mm-hmm. open them up but um by that point it'll be warm enough for them to break cluster and then they'll have two full frames of honey in there that i left mm-hmm. on either side mm-hmm. of the cluster so they'll have food once that happens but
2: yeah, I noticed the uh what was I doing? Oh, I was milling. And uh I was just resetting for another cut and a bee landed on my arm. It's like oh, that's, that's weird. You're not supposed to be out. Anyhow, so then it just kind of got up and buzzed off once the mill started up again. I thought, hmm, I wonder what I should so I walked over towards the 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 hives and the closer I got to the hives, I started noticing some dark spots in the snow. Mm-hmm. I thought, what is that? So then I but it was a one it was probably one of those same days where it was really, really warm. And uh the dark spot in the snow was where a bee had come out, just hit the cold air and then fell to the snow, and the sun hitting the bee melted it down through the snow. So then I walked over closer to the hives, and and it was uh We've got some uh, we got some black plastic kind of loosely around them, mm. to just just kind of wrap them up for winter. And uh, just with the combination of the sun and everything, man, it was uh, it was a happening happening place there for yeah most yeah. of the day.
0: Mm. So they might have felt too warm with that sun effect on black, and maybe thought they could venture out <laughs> and had a
1: mm. cold awakening, yep. or they could have yeah, just carried, course, been carrying totally. out. It could have just been carrying out a dead one because they'll fly Mm -hmm. them away. If it's warm, they'll fly them away from the hive and drop it on on the snow. That's one of the disadvantages of a conventional Langstroth hive with no insulation and the advantages of having a well-insulated hive. So the advantage is with the insulation is that it regulates that colony temperature a lot better. So they don't feel necessarily the fluctuations outside. So it was really warm days that then snaps down really cold at night.
0: Mm -hmm. The insulation
1: Mm -hmm. prevents that the the hive temperatures from fluctuating drastically. Right. And so they don't break cluster and then get caught, you know, not clustered up. Then a cold, the cold Mm -hmm. temperature drops overnight or, or the next day and they die because they weren't clustered up enough to keep warm. So that can be one gotcha. of the disadvantages of having, you think, oh yeah, no, it's going to be great. It's going to keep them warm. But the problem is if it gets too warm, they break cluster and then can't keep themselves warm if the temperature drops. And this time of year, we get a lot of those temperature swings, right? even in hmm. March. Interesting. So that's, that's another one of those advantages besides just making them having to burn less energy to keep warm, um, is they're not as affected by those external temperatures. Temperature Mm -hmm. swings, so. Yeah. I'm really curious to see about moisture, but I have no way of checking that in the hive until I open them up. So there was, there was a few stains on the pillow, the wool pillow, Mm -hmm. where you could see there must've been some moisture getting up through the propolis seal, whether intentionally Mm -hmm. or unintentionally and and some moisture had basically soaked up into that pillow. So there's, there's definitely lots of humidity in there, which is good, but I have no idea of really knowing where it's forming. <clears throat> exactly. So mm. it's a, a danger for the, for, for bees in, in winter when they're all clustered up as moisture. And I guess I should clarify, because I don't have any ventilation on those hives, they, they, they're they intentionally not ventilated, it means they don't have that chimney effect carrying moist air out of the hive, like a conventional Langstroth like, hive.
2: Right. Yeah, I'm definitely, after that day, seeing them out, kind of enjoying the sun, well, that's what you think um i'm very interested to see what
1: what the spring brings but yeah and it's good for them to get out like if they them. have the opportunity to get out that's really good because they gotta go to the bathroom like all every other creature and you know so like that that's a good thing for them to get out and and do that and 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 whatnot um as long as as long as they were able to get clustered back up with before, before the temperature dropped, mm-hmm. we didn't have wild temperature swings, so I'm sure they're they're fine.
0: It's been a mild winter, so at least it's uh, helpful for carrying bees through. Yeah, and I saw a raccoon the other day, and it didn't look like it uh, had lost its fall ah. weight. <laughs> <laughs> <Good.
1: sighs>
2: it's really first two weeks of work. Ring ring, yeah, I got a sick raccoon in my front yard. It just came out of hibernation. Just give it a minute.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's still waking up.
0: (laughs) No, this one was running down the road a couple days ago and he still looked pretty plump.
1: (laughs) Oh well, (laughs) 25-pound raccoons or 40-pound raccoons running around the woods beating up the bears. (laughs) It's like a gang.
2: Bears can't identify them because they all have masks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
1: oh, there's a good joke.
2: About right what? There.
1: about being COVID compliant. <laughs> Raccoons were the only animal that was COVID compliant. They all wore their masks all the time. <laughs> 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 Yeah, that's good. Well, I think that seems like a good place to wrap things up with a bad joke. And uh, <laughs> you're not going to ask the question? <laughs> ask
2: ask what Did question? You ask the question. What question? I thought you had a question. I thought you had a question. You wanted
1: to ask Dan and I. Oh yeah. Well, that was a bit. Uh, that was a Bitcoin question. We're kind of past that now. Oh well, No. <laughs> <laughs> come back back next time yeah yeah i'll save it for (laughs) next time i'll save it for next time
2: didn't you say that last time
1: yes yeah yeah i've got a bitcoin question but it's anyway yes our follower is going to be disappointed (laughs) both of them
2: (laughs) hmm